Cradeline Network. My name is Conrad, and this is the 245th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where we try to make sense of UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. But this episode, we're taking a break from our usual weekly progs to cover the 1992-2000 AD yearbook. Like annuals, yearbooks are dated for the year after the one they come out in, and this is the first 2000 AD yearbook and the 15th like annual type document that 2000 AD has. We're starting a new kind of publication here with new stories from Judge Dredd, Robo Hunter, Rogue Trooper, the wrap up of Daudamoto, and even an all new slain, plus some dashingly decent uh, classic strips. <laughs> um, the price of the, of the yearbook has gone up from the annual last year from £4.95 to £5.95, pence. but enough of these pricing strategies, because I'm super excited for my guest for this show. Robert, welcome to the show! Woo! Hello, comrade. <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm great. Another exciting one of these, um, one of our special episodes about these annuals and, and now yearbooks and stuff. It's... um. Whole new yeah. thing. You know, I guess Maxwell's stretching its wings and making its own, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> thanks so much for, for, for coming on. I was wondering, before we get started, if you could uh, tell us your history with 2000 AD. Well, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to be on, Comrade. Um, and my history, um, basically, uh, my first real interaction with 2000 AD um, was probably, it was in 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, I was seven. I was very young, <laughs> and it was actually the best of 2000 AD. Ah, the um, uh, the the monthly collections. Yeah, yeah. A, a few of your uh, listeners I've noticed on the show have had the same experience. Um, but it was issue 32, and it had um the VCs in it. Oh, and, nice. Um, the the Judge Dread, uh, Ron Smith. Um, it was the one uh about the different gangs. I can't remember the name of it now, um, but, but I mean, I was hooked after that, and um, then I got my mum, I crazed her to get me 2000 AD, <laughs> cancelled my subscription to the Beano, and um, my first prog was uh, 580. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So right around, was, uh, yeah, so not too long from when we just, from when we, from, from where we've been on the show, that's excellent. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it blew me away. I was very young at the time. I I didn't really understand a lot of it, um, but the artwork, uh, like Simon Bisley and the Black Hole and ABC Warriors, um, was unreal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that yeah, some of that stuff can 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 blow my my, my hair back in my thirties. You know, I can imagine because that, yeah. that's funny. I think we're we're actually about the same age, so I I can just imagine I can I can barely imagine actually getting two thousand AD when I was oh. like like of that era. Yeah, you know, yeah. at that age, yeah. that's amazing. You know, we did we, we we didn't have it here in the states. It's all just more more superhero stuff and so on and so forth. I think I was reading Alf comics at the time. <laughs> <laughs> each to their own you know i mean it all it all works out in the end we all end up we all end up talking about 2000 <laughs> ad in, in the final so it's sort of you know it's hard to can't 
can't blame anyone for this stuff um, right. <laughs> or whatever else. <laughs> so do you have any uh, any memories or did you have this annual when it actually came out? Uh, yeah, this this is actually the first annual I, I ever bought. Um, I bought this. I bought the Judge Dredd yearbook at the same time as well. And um, yeah, I just remember I, I just read it cover to cover. <laughs> Over and over and over again, <laughs> how you do at that age for things yeah, like absolutely. that. Absolutely, yeah, and um, yeah, it was just unbelievable, uh, brilliant. Um, when you look at it today, some of it doesn't seem to hold up as much, but <laughs> there we go. That's nostalgia for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it all. Um, yeah. that, that's very much what you know. Our our mission statement on Space Spitter just to to check all this stuff out and see how it goes. But you know, I think I like these. I like especially the, the, these more modern annuals because I, I think we are increasingly seeing them try to kind of showcase things to bring in new new readers and stuff. Like yeah. while while they're still expensive, I think the days of these just being kind of a, ca- a cash cow that nobody thinks about and they just sort of use sec- like remaindered stuff are, um, has sort of passed on, which is, which is fine. You know, I think, yeah. I don't know. I was, I was just, because they talk about sort of the past annuals in this one, it, it, it got me thinking about those early days of me and Fox looking at these annuals and Fox getting very angry about them. <laughs> I feel like we're, we're less in that position today, which I think, I think yeah. is nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the paper quality is excellent. And um, yeah, it's definitely an improvement from some the hardback, some of the hardback, um, the paper. And mm-hmm. uh, as I say, you know, for a 30-year-old copy, it's, um, it's pretty much in mint condition. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like we were saying before recording that, like especially a soft cover yeah. at, at all could exist. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> from from yeah. 1991 to to 2021 is is pretty amazing for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. So you're. I wonder all, why. Okay, so I wonder, please. Yeah. I wonder why they changed the format. Do you, do you have you got any idea why? Or? I don't really. I think um, my understanding is that um, there are there were sort of two different kinds of like of these annuals or yearbooks that the publishing that the british publishing industry was putting out at this time and right. that the um the hardback one is a little was was seen as more juvenile i guess uh, like yeah, like yeah. more for like the the you know for a a, a, a bino re- aged reader um to use your example <laughs> or just yeah just like 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 that was more for um for like kid and juvenile stuff whereas the softback um yearbook was more was seen as more for more adult comics or th- or not comics but like adult magazines like things that like a teenager would read or something like that cool and so my understanding is that this was an attempt to yeah to you know as 2000 AD is is kind of especially growing up with those prog oneers that always seem to show up um yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> and we're just generally seeing 2000 AD in general, I think, in these early 90s years, try to become a more young, you know, more young adult focused, basically. Yeah. You know, it's try, it's, it's it's throwing off some childish things, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, the, well, this this is the, when I really started getting getting into the 2000 AD, you know, I was the right age. And, uh, yeah, I loved all of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I think there's yeah. like, yeah, there's a lot to like in this one. Actually. I was, I, yeah. I was really surprised looking through it. Um, yeah. that, that there's some, that there is some pretty cool stuff in here. Um, <laughs> just before we go, uh, or before we get started, I should say, I, I, I also, I, I know you're a member of our, uh, of our space spinner Patreon page. And I was wondering how you're finding, uh, the, the content there for sure. Oh, it's great. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's well worth the money. Um, you know, I, the Q and A is worth the money alone. <laughs> Comedy gold. <laughs> but um, yeah, I love it. it. Comes in nice big chunks every month. Um, hours and hours of listening. You know, can't get better value really. Excellent. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah the uh, the the Q and A's, which is mostly just Fox and I kind of talk about what's going on in our lives, and then you know, <laughs> some questions, but also just a lot of uh, a lot of breeze shooting between Fox and myself. Talk about video games a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah. Then, um, but you know, usually they're like an like at least like an hour, or an hour and a half long or something. It's very much yeah. you know just these these tired <laughs> space spinner boys talking about. Uh, <laughs> Whatever comes yeah, to it's mind. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I think it's you know, it's it's a lot of fun to record for sure. Like yeah. it just gives a you know, the two of us more of a chance to hang out, which is always um always a good time for Fox and myself for sure. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So let's let's jump into this thing. Here we go. Big old yearbook time. Uh just for context, as we as we start on this We've just finished Prague 751, so we had a big relaunch in 750, um, and we're in the middle of all new stories from ABC Warriors, Robo Hunter, it's part three of Universal Soldier, and we've also got the premiere of the uh, feral-fronted uh, Strontium Dogs comic. And we're also sort of dealing with some political intrigue leading up to the big referendum on the judges as well. It's an exciting time in the um, in the Prague, and we've also just finished out Amoto, which will become relevant for a story later in the uh, in the yearbook. Yeah. But before, I guess, speaking of, let's talk quickly as we get to um, the cover. I don't know. I never do that one in the, in the thrill voice, <laughs> but whatever. So. Big thing between annuals and yearbooks, like we mentioned, is that it's there's a move from hard to soft cover. Um, and this cover I like a lot, actually. It uh, it folds out on either side. You you, you have the physical copy and show me, and it's really it's really it, it makes for this really big, like quadruple sized cover with a char- of a character montage by uh, Sean Phillips. Yeah. Um, with all of your, all your 2000, all your big 2000 AD names in here, you know, there's <laughs> Doudamoto, a blonde lady who I think is either Judge Anderson or a bet from the Strontium Dogs story. Um, cause I think those are the blondes we know at the moment. Um, there's a very like smooth looking feral to the point that I, if, if he didn't have his, uh, Strontium Dog badge, I wouldn't have recognized yeah. him actually. I, I always thought that was supposed to be Halo Jones. But oh, it could be. It's hard. It's just because it's because this late this blind lady is like make has this like downturned face. It makes it hard to yeah. identify her. You know, <laughs> like that's not yeah. not a face I'm 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 familiar with anybody making. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I should have I should have asked. Oh, geez. Um, but I should I should have asked the internet. Um, but then there's a slain Friday. A very wide Judge Dredd, who's actually pretty short in this, which I, I was surprised by. Like I, I, I didn't expect him to be so low in the um, setting amongst all these guys. 
Um, then, of course, Tharg, Sam Slade, and then Daudamoto again. And actually, if you look, you can see, um, like, Daudamoto's face is sort of cut in half. And, yeah. Um, the, 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 and Dredd's, um, shoulder pad is, like, covering part of it. But you can see, like, sort of on, on the left side of the page, you can see just the edge of Dredd's shoulder. So if you wanted to, you could, like, set this up as, like, a big tube that <laughs> would be one continuous image in a circle if that was your, was your want for thrill power, I guess. <laughs> You'd say it's sort of a, sort, sort of a character montage in the round, I guess. Yeah. Um, Inside, there's an editorial where Tharg announces that this, this yearbook will um, focus on the concept of the Earth year. And I guess we do get like some holiday thrills and then just a lot of uh, retrospective ones as well. I guess loose theme. Um, <laughs> but I, we should probably just keep an eye out for that as we get going, starting with Thrill One, Judge Dredd. Uh, script robot John Wagner, art robot Cam Kennedy, lettering robot Tom Frame. So this story is called Old Acquaintance. And I've got to be careful here because I've been getting a lot of flack recently for all of my uh, Albion accents. So I'll try not to get too Scottish <laughs> about this one. Uh, <laughs> um, it's But we're at the Hogmanny di uh, dinner and dance at the Calhab Expats Club. And I've learned that a Hogmanny is basically Scottish New Year's or a yep. celebration that's celebrated on December 31st by the Scottish, I suppose. Yeah. And we see a man in a kilt and Tam O'Shanter banging a gavel and shouting over a robot Calhab band and partying citizens in various tartans. Once things quiet down, he makes a few announcements, mostly in a thick Scottish accent. Um, a dog has swallowed a bairn. And there's another announcement saying that Big Tam McNutter is going to kill everybody. And because of that, they brought in some security, namely Judge Dredd. Sorry, Judge Dreed or Dredd, you know. It's the accent thing. I'm trying to avoid it. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, the extremely plaid Tam uh, McNutter is drinking Govenskite whiskey and climbing over a rope ladder into Dinosaur World, which doesn't seem good for anybody. <laughs> These dinosaurs over here. So it seems that Dred's here both to protect the um, Calhav Expats Club and I guess to make a speech about the previous year. Which is kind of weird. Um, I guess I don't really think of Dredd as a speaker of, of all that much. But I guess when there's a party, you got to have a speech. Um, yeah. He has a combo of a speech and an internal monologue about 2113, mostly about, be, about recovering from Necropolis, among other things. Meanwhile, it seems McNutter inside the dinosaur world has found a giant mechanical I guess he says it's the Loch Ness monster but I think it's like a, Bar a brontosaurus basically and yeah. he's popped open a panel and used a screwdriver to reprogram it to obey his insane will <laughs> oh no <laughs> he puts his hat on and he's riding off to kill uh, meanwhile, Dredd's talking about the events of the year. He mentions the Hunters Club Death Aid Hunt, um, the escape of PJ Maybe, a city block being destroyed to kill one man, and then Judge Death being at large, though I'll mention that we'll soon see him be caught 
in the course of a big team-up between Judge Dredd and the goddamn Batman and Judgment on Gotham, which I'm super excited for. Cool. At the same time, McNutter bursts through the wall of Dinosaur World, riding on the back of this giant brontosaurus. It's got strangely sharp teeth, as you'd expect from a 2000 AD dinosaur. As we learned in Flesh, even the plant eaters could definitely bite you in half. <laughs> yeah, I love the hat. Yeah, he's so. he's moved his own like ultra plaid tab to the to, to the dinosaur's head. It's sort of a yeah. unofficial Scots dino, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dread starts to discuss the uh, judicial referendum and sort of has spoilers for it. So be careful if you if you're reading along with us. Um, as he wonder um as uh the crowd gets rowdy and they're tired of hearing dread talk and the dinosaur gets closer dread wonders what 2114 will bring as the clock nears midnight and at last the dinosaur bursts through the wall biting some guests and stomping others luckily at last while dread's unsure as a speaker as uh, when it comes to murderous dinos, he's in his element. We see him immediately just jump up, s- grab a chandelier, swing onto the back of the dinosaur, take back control of it, you know, and, ar- and arrest McNutter as midnight strikes. McNutter, like, uh, like, shouts some curses, but ends up gazing into the fist of dread, and the day is saved. <laughs> I iconically punch in the face. A beaten up McNutter is dragged off as the cow habbers begin a rousing chorus of Auld Lang Syne. <laughs> Just a nice little New Year's story. I, I, I think these are always in, um, in, a, in a good position in the uh, yearbooks. I know they're often given as Christmas gifts and stuff. So this would be topical yeah. for that, that time of year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's topical. Um <laughs> Oh, the the colours in here are just they're so vibrant. I'm real. I don't know. Did Cam Kennedy do the colouring as well? I think so. I th- you know generally yeah. when there's a colour when there's a colour they uh they 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 they're listing them in the um in the that that they either list them in the credits as a colourer or there'll be two artists. Right. Yeah. Like like often like a uh, Alita Fell I know who does a lot of colouring. She'll end up um being a co-artist in a lot of these stories, but I think she's mostly coloring. So I believe this is, this is colored by, by, by Cam. Um, but yeah, just all of these, all these, um, um, cow havers, their, their tartans are of like very, yeah. like they, they, they've got a very Skittle-esque tartan or like a, like a bright co- multicolored candies or something like that. Yeah. And it does make this a very fun story for sure. I also, yeah, I really like this, uh, like a white steel, <laughs> like giant robo brontosaurus or, or blue steel, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's a lot of fun. And I'll mention, I also, um, the way this story ends with Dread leading off, um, McNutty, it actually really reminds me of Cam Kennedy's, um, Kenny Who story. Where, uh, yeah. where on on the cover there's this biter that's you know being uh, carried away in like a a muzzle or something, and <laughs> the way that that guy looks standing next to Dread and the very a very bemused looking judge and stuff. Um, yeah, has, the black like, eyes. <laughs> yeah, this art looks very similar. Yeah, this is like yeah. the way he draws Dread here. He's got like his his bra- like the uh, the brows on his helmet are very level. Like he's like a, oh what a day. Kind of look. It's <laughs> sort of a counterpoint to the like Ron Smith angry dread helmet. 
Oh, man. Speaking of Judge Dredd having a rough time, let's talk about Thrill 2 Necropolis Revisited. And this one's uh, written by uh, research droid Mike Butcher. And this is very much just a, a five pages of filler recapping the big story of 1990 Necropolis. Uh, there's some reprints of some really great art in here. There's like like a full page of a uh, Kraken strangling Judge Agee as uh, the as as one of the Sisters of Death looks on. There's another one of uh, Anderson punching Kraken in the face. Both very solid. Um, just ju- just fun ways to look back on these on this um on on this big iconic story. Of course, if you want more in depth. Uh, Necropolis reading. I would suggest checking out some Space Spinner because we talked about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but very much just yeah, going over this uh, previous big thrill. And speaking of big thrills making a comeback, let's go to Thrill Three Slain. Script robot Pat Mills, art robot Glenn Fabry, letting robot Ellie Deville. And this is I thought this was a really neat surprise actually when I saw this in the yeah. yearbook. Like I wasn't aware that uh, that a Fabry had done more slain after he finished it in the Prague, so it's very fun to see him back drawing the uh, drawing the High King here. Very cool. Yeah, it does seem strange, really, doesn't it? Because um, we haven't really seen it since the Horned God, and uh, no, I mean we're in the middle of a slain drought right now for yeah, sure. Yeah. I think after the Horned God, I think the next time Slain comes back into 2000 AD is like in 93, I want to say. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Something because we're, because we've still, you know, we're going to, we've got ABC Warriors because Pat Mills is going to give us some more ABC Warriors action. And then we'll have uh, Finn, I think, before Slane comes back. Mm. Let me just double check here. Yeah. the ne- Well, I guess we'll have a, yeah. The next time, yeah, we'll have Slane is in Prague 850 in 1993. So still a, still a ways to go. Yeah. And then Fabry also is just, um, you know, he obviously was in Slain the King right before the Horn God started. But then we moved to Bisley and sort of never looked back, I guess. So I think it's very it's 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 it's, it's really neat to see um, this team back doing doing this character. I, I'm, I'm really excited about it, honestly. Um, yeah, the. Yeah, the muscles are great, aren't they? Oh my just... gosh! Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what I said. Yeah, in, in my recap, I say, yeah, this is called Slain the High King. It's got some amazing black and white art and extreme musculature. Everybody's everybody's been lifting weights since the Horn God ended. It seems like yeah. <laughs> it's going it's going pretty crazy. I love it. So it's Sawin and Slain the High King. So this takes place after the events of the Horn God. Um, and all of his warriors and crew and stuff are watching the ritual sacrifice of the super stoked uh, Kuhn or, or, or Kuhn, C-U-A-N, I don't know. Um, but he's about to get axed by a super, a super buff druidess. Um, she, and she uh, more than anybody else. So every, again, like we said, everybody's extremely buff, but she's showing off these muscles as well, which you have to appreciate. Yeah. Posing, um, yeah, yeah, pose down. <laughs> definitely, yeah. Listen, we're gonna, yeah. Scott Steiner just showed up. It's a bad time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's gonna kill you. Uh, th- one thirty three percent of the amount that she'd kill everybody else, you know. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Sorry, talk this pro wrestling. Um, but so she's here to give him the triple death. 
um, which is she's got a big axe and she hits him in the head with it nine. Uh, sure, she hits him in the head with it three times, then strangles him with a rope with three knots in it, and then symbolically drowns him in a pool. And again, because she's so like like jacked and strong, she just kind of holds him by his ankle and just gently dips him into this pool, like it's a like a tea bag or something. <laughs> Um, Slane, who apparently has been, has not been super enjoying the High King life because he sees this guy getting killed and he's like, oh, that guy's lucky. I'd love to get killed. I'm tired of this. Just a bummer, buddy. You're bringing us down, you know? <laughs> Especially Ucko, who seems to perpetually have two, uh, barbarian babes just fawning over him at all times. So he, he, on the other hand, is uh, is is enjoying these pleasures of life that they also readily have access to. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, because it's peacetime, and you know, Slain, he's a man of action, so he's real bored, especially because he's not even allowed to like get in regular fights because as High King, he um has to keep he's got a, the uh, the the taboo of a geza g-e-a-s-a which means that he has to be without blemish so he can't like get bruised or cut or anything like that so he can't even like get in fights and because he's also a jerk and wants to fight people <laughs> this <laughs> leads to him picking fights with um all of his crew he tries to you know, he calls, um, he calls Fergus the brave a coward. He calls Dermid the, he, uh, he tells, D uh, Dermid the foul tempered that, um, he slept with his wife and his daughter. <laughs> and Dermid's like, okay, I guess you should just probably also sleep with my hot sister here and whatever. <laughs> um, he gets so pissed off at a uh, Connell the handsome that he just punches him in the face and just goes. He, he just fight clubs yeah. to uh, Connell the handsome. You know what's the now, yeah. Now I don't know what you think, but I've always thought that Connell the handsome is vanilla ice. That me too. He's got the haircut. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I was like maybe you like Morrissey or something, but no, it's it's vanilla ice for sure. Yeah, yeah. He's got, he's got that, I, I like, he, I don't know where he found hair gel in ancient times, but he definitely, he's got that haircut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's just got a huge, got a, got a broken face. But a miracle yeah. is that even though Slade punched him so hard, he scrambled his face, his knuckles are unblemished. Oh, man. You can't win for losing when you're Slade. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, um, at the same time, Cathbad is reading uh, uh, Kuhn's entrails and he sees storms, cl storm clouds on the horizon. But as he gets into specifics, like, oh, this this organ might be a war chariot of some kind, uh, Kuhn himself wakes up and uh, starts to give a prophecy, which is pretty cool. He's got a message for Slain. He says, soon, Slain, your time will be up and you'll die but you won't go to the eternal peace of the afterlife. Instead, the goddess wants you to fight by her side for the rest of eternity. And I'll say that we got a pretty good view of Kuhn as he's saying this with like his guts ripped open and his neck all broken and stuff like that. It's a pretty striking image. Yeah. <laughs> for Crazy. <sure. laughs> 
<laughs> and that takes us to a big two-pager, or I guess maybe just two big images of, again, ultra buff, um, 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 goddess of, uh, uh, Danu goddess of nature with a big sword, killing people, or, uh, you know, killing people as Slade himself, jumps into the fray, shout and kiss my axe, taking out some dudes that look like, I don't know, like, like, uh, Roman guys or Greek guys or something. Yeah. Which I guess yeah, yeah. Is, is is kind of interesting just because I um as we're recording this in twenty twenty one, uh Slain is in fact sort of a man out of time fighting uh Trojans, I guess, but sort of Trojans, similarly yeah, equipped yeah. guys. Yeah. <laughs> so it all it all comes together, I suppose, you know. <laughs> But the gist of it is just that Slain's going to be taking part in the bloodiest and greatest wars the Celts have ever seen. Cities burnt to the ground. Thousands upon thousands will die. And Slain doesn't think that's too many. Oh, yeah. We got all the catchphrases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, only then will Slain come to rest as Kuen himself dies. And Slain's like, hey, I've gotten good prophecy news. Let's go party. All right. <laughs> But before he can, Ukko has to busy himself um, yelling at um, at yelling at Kuhn getting him to wake back up because he needs some specific prophecies about where the how to get some dru- some more druid gold and how to get into the pants of various uh, maidens, of, you know, and so on. Yeah, Deirdre the Ice Maiden. <laughs> how do I turn Deirdre the Ice Maiden into De- Deirdre the Willing? Oh man, changing her epitaph—that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I thought this I I th- this was another sort of maybe not the most action-packed slain, but no, uh, I, it's good. Yeah, well, it's just it's got it's got that sort of comedy violence. Yeah, it, definitely. Sort of, and they've got it it's mixed well, you know, it, it balances out the story well. Um yeah, I think it, it does do a lot to yeah. yeah, like you say, yeah, the artwork's really great. I love Fabry and just again. Yeah. It I mean, I, 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 I feel like I'm getting weird talking about it so much, but it really feels like he's got like a like a an anatomy textbook open or something because there's just oh, so, yeah. so yeah. many of these images and, and, and characters where you just see every muscle on a character, you know, like oh, every, yeah. <laughs> everything's engaged at once somehow, you know. Um, but oh, I, yeah. yeah, I like this one too. Yeah, it's fun to have these like a prophecy episode like this just sort of in a, in a yearbook. Yeah. Because I think it's something that is tantalizing to new readers and for older readers to kind of be like, hey, like, don't, you know, it's going to be a little while until we see this character again. But we, there's definitely still stuff in the in the pipe coming down, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Very exciting. Maybe less exciting, <laughs> but no less classic. As Conrad complains about things. It's Thrill 4 Dash Decent Part 1. Uh, script robot Dave Angus and Kev O'Neill, art robot Kev O'Neill, lettering robot Tom Frame. You know, Dash Decent ran from uh, Progs 178 to 198. I think at this point, I feel like both Fox and I had gotten pretty tired of these one-page comics. You know, this one's... This one's coming after Captain Klepp. In fact, Captain Klepp makes frequent cameos throughout this one, you know. And also, I think we will also remember Kev O'Neill doing um, Bonjo from Beyond the Stars, which was also in a pre- uh, collected in a previous annual or spe- one of you know one of these special editions as well. 
Yeah. Like telling detail um, when I was going through my old notes for these was that um, we did, I did dash decent in the non thrills section. It wasn't its own thrill, <laughs> which is a, a, like looking back on it, that's just insulting. Like, the, you know, I don't know. Because uh, there is a lot of content in these for sure. Yeah. Um, d- oh, yeah. D- despite being one page comics, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's, there's literally a gag in every panel and, um, you know, it, I, it's a good strip. I just, just in the wrong comic, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, um, yeah. this like, this like very gag based nature definitely yeah. wasn't what was going on in, in this era of 2000 AD, which is the era of, um, of meltdown man and return to Armageddon and, and return to Armageddon and things like that. Um, yeah. And it just kind of felt like it was, I don't know, getting in the way of some of those other stories or something almost. Yeah. Um, so the first uh, section is a two-pager, a meteors flying straight to Earth, and a lisping doctor needs a sacrifice to um, to be sent up in his rocket to wit us of this threat. They send Janitor Dash Decent, who heads to the observatory in a speeding taxi. Through a series of events, uh, Dash, the professor, and the cabbie, who's a lady, all end up aboard the rocket. Uh Speeding towards it, stopping just short of crashing because, of course, as they do, their jet, their rocket has run out of gas. So they sort of stop in midair. Um, anyway, medi- the meteor they are landing on turns out to be a planet full of intelligent life, including a talking worm and a big old elephant warrior. Oh, man. <laughs> That elephant, those elephant warriors attack our heroes. Um, Dash tries to fight them, but it's no use. His punches do nothing to their trunks. And so the humans are taken to the palace of the evil Emperor Pong. Of course, you know, Dash Decent is a Buck Rogers kind of pastiche. And Pong is your Ming the Merciless type. Um, the palace is built on a giant spring. You know, as you'd imagine for Emperor Pongs, he's got a big giant fortress in the sky. And I think it's kind of funny, just like I, I mentioned in my, in my original writing, but as we were reading, this was also the start of Meltdown Man, which was also a story that features a character showing up in a world full of like human-animal hybrids and immediately being taken to the fortress of an evil leader and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a funny crossover here. Um Next, Dash Decent has a, a trio of sci-fi tropes um, as uh, Dash, the professor, and the lady cab driver are all forced into stereotypical sci-fi um, fashion. You know, various sci-fi uh, um, things, including a, a, a pretty funny moment where Dash puts on uh, Dale, the cab driver's outfit first. It's like, all right, buddy. Like, listen, that one piece, that's for the lady, guys. Come on, we got to get together. Um, they meet with the Emperor Pong who was only flying his asteroid towards Earth to swerve it away at the last minute. So it does seem like Earth is saved, but then Dash grabs Pong and threatens him. And Pong, of course, pulls his trapdoor lever. And But as he does, forgets that Dash is holding him and both fall into a pit full of evil eyes below the throne room. Oh, jeez. Um... 
the yeah, so pitful of evil eyes. But listen, they actually luckily turn out to just just be eye monsters. Like they're just sets of eyes floating around as opposed to actual um, slavering beasts attached to them or anything like that. Dash smushes a couple and builds a ramp out of the rest to escape, saving Emperor Pong, who grants Dash the ultimate prize, the hand of his ugly daughter, Ophelia, in marriage. And Dash makes a run for it, of course, uh, running through the wall, leaving a Dash-shaped hole in the side. Definitely. <laughs> On the run from Pong... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Right. Hi, Okay. On the run from Emperor Pong and his ugly daughter, Professor Ve- uh, Zelami, the po- professor from before, gives chase as Dash runs afoul of some mud monsters. Excuse me, compost monsters. Thank you very much. Um, and he ends up, while his punches do nothing, he takes them out by getting them to hit his rock-hard chin. Oh, the trickiness. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if, um, uh, in your original, when you originally covered this, mm-hmm. um, uh, Dr. Zellamy is obviously, he's obviously based on a British TV personality. Yes, yes. I oh, uh, I forget his name off the top yeah, of my head, but he's da- the, David David Bellamy. That's right. From <laughs> he was from, like from, a, from Tiswas, right, or, or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. He was um, yeah, he was on TV all the time when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that, yeah, Dr. Bellamy is, uh, I feel like few characters have had more, like, impact on 2000 AD just because he keeps coming up and, you know, whether it's Walter or in yeah. this, or I think there was also, there's at least one dread story where, where he, where a character like him is doing, like, a nature show about the citizens of, of Mega City One, I think. Yeah. He was, um, he was so, he was so enthusiastic. He was like, Really over the top. Um, yeah, he was, he was very quite a popular figure, especially on children's TV. Yeah, definitely seems like a, yeah. a good a good uh, uh, children's TV kind of character for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just silly enough that you stay there to learn something, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Dale, the sexy cab dri- uh, female cab driver member of the team, is about to be tortured while Dash himself goes for a swim in. Um, he's sorry. He's stuck in the desert, so he sees a mirage of a hotel pool. But then it turns out to be a real pool, but sadly also one full of piranhas. And so by the end, he gets eaten alive and is just a whole bunch of bones. Oh no! Will Dash we cover? We'll find <laughs> out later in the yearbook. <laughs> oh, it's just the it's the concentrated silliness for sure. We got a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> And and also on uh, as we're discussing as as I mentioned concentrated thrill power. Let's talk quickly about Thrill Five 2008 annuals, the hardback years. <laughs> it's another one by Mike Butcher here. Um, this is actually sort of a, a Barney-esque rundown of the 14 2008 annuals, the 2008.org, like just sort of a rundown of what stories are in the annuals, images of their covers and stuff at, after a brief um, introduction. Yeah. And I think this is another one of these indexes that are very much there to fill space. But maybe if you hadn't <laughs> seen the, this stuff, you could kind of get some information out of it for sure. Uh, I, I loved this at the time um, because obviously th- this was the first one I got. And then mm-hmm. I could see which I needed to get. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, because I, I ended up getting most of them. Uh, you see the 
the Forbidden Planet adverts in um, in 2000 AD. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, used, I used to get them all from there at the time. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, we're just starting yeah. to see those where they have like like w- where there are ads or in 92 actually I guess we'll start to see them where where they where Forbidden Planet has ads not just for collections and stuff but just uh, an ad that's just literally like a 2080 price sheet basically of just like yeah. here's, pr- yeah, here's was, prices yeah, they, for all the old progs and specials and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. You, you send, you, send you a list out and You'd write down, you know, very basic yeah. <laughs> of the time. <laughs> no, I love, you know, it's it, it's it, it's cool. I feel, I, I mean, they did the same thing in American comics at the time too. I just remember, yeah, you get these like full page ads that would ju- um for for us they just have like you know be like all the spider-mans and batmans and everything and so you get these ads with this like yeah. impossibly tiny text of just <laughs> all these comics and prices for all of them yeah and you could just you could send you know i guess in theory you could just send away for like a you you get like a giant bulk of comics sent back to you or something yeah. like that or at least <laughs> dream about what you had you know <laughs> And the index ends with a bunch of landmarks, which are, I guess, are sort of just 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 fun facts about the different um, the different annuals and and the stories within them and stuff. Of course, I, I I think a lot of them are also pointing out which annuals have various famous artists and writers in them. You know, yeah. like oh yes, this one, the eighty two annual has Brian Bolland's only full color dread, just FYI, or. Hey, uh, Alan yeah. Moore has written quite a few Robuster stories over the years, things like that. Yeah, yeah humble brag. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like they even, there's even one about a Grant Morrison story that specifically says like, oh yeah, if you like Animal Man, you might want to check this out because it's more fourth wall breaking Grant Morrison stuff, just FYI. Yeah. <laughs> then after that, there's a, a black and white pinup of uh, Strontium Dog's Feral by Steve Pugh. Which is definitely hot off the presses, actually, just because, like, as this is coming out, or, you know, as we're talking about this, for sure, uh, Strontium Dogs with Pew as the artist is um, just premiering. And this sort of newer, more uh, bestial look for Feral is sort of is, is making its way to, to, to stores and stuff. Yeah. I can't is it Is it like an exoskeleton? Or. Yeah. That... Feral's complicated, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's almost like he's half inside out, and then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, like, you, as we go, we kind of get views of his back, and there's, like, extra spines out there as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I th- I think, yeah, like, his, he's sort of growing, like, an exoskeleton or armored plating or something like that, sort of as, as he goes, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's very you know. I think they just like there's some elements of it they definitely have, and then I think they kind of leave the rest of it for um, you know H.P. Lovecraft style, like not fully explained body horror kind of things yeah. <laughs> for Feral. You know, sometimes it's better to just kind of show an image and not explain it too much. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but back for more horrors. Let's continue with Thrill Six. Dash Decent Part 2. Uh, same creative teams. So Dash, Professors, and um, so Dash and Professor Zelemy have found Dash, Dash's bow. Oh, sorry, blah, blah, blah. 
Start again. Professor Zelomius found Dash's bones and promises to fix him. He clones a skin suit for Dash to wear over his bones. But oh no, his leg's been stolen by a dog. Oh, jeez. The professor and a sack full of Dash's bones go after him into the terrifying land of Bone City. Sort of as Dale may- remains in mid-peril at um, Emperor Pong's place, I guess. <laughs> in Bone City, Dash quickly gets his leg back from the King of the Dogs or whatever, um, and is offered the pos- the um, position of General of the Bone People to lead a rebellion against the evil Pong, but Professor Zelmi refuses... But because of that, it means they're going to be fed to the bone people. Oh, no. <laughs> Back at the lair of the evil Pong, uh, his daughter, Ophelia, still pines for Dash Decent. As Professor Zelomy has made the ultimate weapon of war for the bone people, because I guess it doesn't, you know, after the threats, decide to join them, a crazy flying attack top. <laughs> Pong versus Top, the classic battle. They assault Pong's base, but not before the Imperial Air Fleet is called out. And it's a cool rocket ship, or a bunch of cool rocket ships. And yes, of course, all of them are hanging from strings as they go <laughs> forth for battle. I do like, if there's one thing I do think is, is like, I'd, I'd say is definitely funny about Dash Decent, it's this commitment to, in the comic, like, making the special effects look as lame as possible, you know, doing the things that make special effects look lame in movies and stuff like that. Like, I feel like that's a good piece of oh, yeah. savvy there. It's, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So it's, t- it's a top versus rocket dogfight. Uh, um, as Dash Decent continues, Dash ends up removing the, the drive handle thing from the top of, um, Pong's ship. And we end up with the top, or sorry, from the, yeah, from the top of the, of the, of the, yeah, the, sorry, the drive thing from the top of the, of the, from the, the top of the top. Oh man, I'm confused. Anyway, the top itself goes hurtling down to earth. Next episode, um, back then was called the big drop, but they removed that since halfway through Dash Decent. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so Dash finally gets his skin back. Punches out Pong's daughter, Aphulia, saves Dale from peril, from the peril she's been in this whole time, saves her just in the nick of time, only seconds after she's been cut into several pieces by one of those swinging blade pendulums. All right, some quick super glue. She's back in the fight. <laughs> anyway, one way or another, Pong's stuck on the roof of his uh, castle. It's time to head home. Dash Decent and company return to Earth, but their ship has been sabotaged by the evil Pong, and now it will crash to Earth, killing them all, including Pa, you're on the ship too, you dummy! But I guess it'll work out. Also, somehow dinosaurs are involved, but we'll find out now. Or, sorry, um... But before we can continue, as we see um, the hand holding the spaceship as it crashes to Earth, the entire comic comes to a stop as the team gets a note from Tharg requesting that the comic be funnier. 
And, you know, I feel like this is what really sunk Dash Decent for Fox and me when we first read it because we weren't finding it super funny. Yeah. And this sort of stuff really putting a lampshade on the, on, on the humor or lack thereof of the strip was more like, uh, I'm not sure you guys get to make these kinds of jokes <laughs> based <laughs> on the jokes yeah. we're seeing so far, I suppose. <laughs> but still, after, um, promising Tharg that they would be much funnier. Thank you very much. Um, we rejoin the the uh, action still in progress and we'll finish it up later in the annual. All right. We made it through. <laughs> but in a real out of the frying pan into the fire kind of situation, we'll go directly from a gag comic reprint Two text story with Thrill Seven Dow Demoto. <laughs> oh no! Oh jeez! I mean, this is this is a text story I've read closer than almost any text story I've ever I've ever read before. Just because I was interested to see the wrap up of Dow Demoto. We just finished it in the Prague last episode. Yeah. Um, and I actually rescheduled when the when these special episodes were going to be airing <laughs> because I wanted to finish up Daudamoto in the Prague and then get to it here, actually. Um, so, script robot Myra Hancock, art robot David Hine. And we've definitely got – and Hine's definitely doing some fun work here. It sort of starts with this big image of uh, Sapalco from Daudamoto sort of – evilly grinning over um dow and her baby in like a, a crystal ball or something like that like ah yes the story is called uh baby of the century and we've got a lot of just hein artwork here I, th I think he is sort of i do like how he draws this uh pregnant dow while sort of moping about and having a lot of uh emotions and things like that like i think that he this is kind of fun art um the story, though, starts very confusingly because of just how it's laid out. There's, like, the lead of the story is this big – it's it's double – like, the text takes up the entire page and then it goes into double column mode. And, like, I got – I was very confused at the start of yeah. reading this story. Because <laughs> it seems like you should start with what's on, like, the left column at the top of the page. But, no, you got to start yeah. at the bottom of the – or – <laughs> You should be starting on the top right of the page, but you actually got to start on the bottom left. It's a whole thing. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> the story itself, very domestic, actually, this Daudamoto story. Dao is super pregnant. She's going to give birth in a day or two. And it seems like it's also New Year's Eve at the start of a new century. So Sapalco's off partying to do publicity because he signed a deal for Dao's baby to be the first one born in the new century. And then they're going to sort of Truman show them a little bit, like just sort of like, oh, we've signed a TV deal for the rest of the, for the kid to make money for the rest of his life to just kind of have a check in on the baby of the century or something. I guess maybe a cross between like Truman show and those like a seven up movies. I guess I don't know if you have those in the, in the UK, but um, anyway, <laughs> um, this whole thing though, isn't sitting well with Dow. She doesn't really like this life of luxury that she's got. She's got a lot of ennui about the, uh, the staff that she's finds herself surrounded by, especially while Sapalco's out living the high life, like partying with, um, partying with starlets and whatever else 
In the end, the two of them have a really big fight about their kid's future. Oh, sorry, not before she uh, orders delivery food and Sapalco pulls a gun on the delivery boy. But um, <laughs> they have a big fight and he, in sort of in like wanting to make it up to her, goes out and calls a press conference to publicly end the baby of the century deal, which delights Dow. And she celebrates by throwing like pieces of her dietetic salad up into the air like confetti. It's a whole thing. Um, and I guess all is well that ends well. The two of them are in love and are going to provide a, a decent <laughs> life, I guess, for their possibly alien baby. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, sh- I should say also this story's bookended by who I think by like sort of the two aliens from the story sort of talking about things knowingly or something like, oh, yes, like we know secrets about what's happening that we aren't telling. But because this is the end of Daudamoto, period, it doesn't really matter that much, I guess, because we'll never learn what those yeah. twists are. Yeah, it doesn't really go out with a bang, really, does it? <laughs> no be like because this just it, I, again like the fact that like Daudamoto itself kind of ends on a cliffhanger and this it's yeah. and this kind of feels like it's providing more sort of j- just minor information about Dow almost giving pregnant and stuff it doesn't really i was hoping this would be li- like a like li- like a capper for the story yeah. but it doesn't really accomplish that yeah <laughs> And I guess it's just everybody had gotten angry about Daudamoto, so they were uh, <laughs> moving on to other yeah. things. Yeah, it was it's real hard work to read. I mean, that's uh, – I got to say, and I feel like we say this every time, but man, that is just – that's just these text stories, you know? When you're, yeah. It's always the yeah. thing of when you're in a, um, a comic mood – you hit these um you you hit these like text stories with their small with their like like double columns of 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 small text and it's just like it's like a of a race car smashing into a wall basically <laughs> they're very much the like um you know going back to salads i suppose like yeah, yeah. if you're if you're reading this thing this is what you got to say for lat for the very end just because um it, you, you don't want to read it any other way, but eventually it's like, all right, I've got, I've read everything else five times. I'll just, I'll read this, just so I have something to do, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe back to more um, exciting times. Let's go to Thrill Eight Robo Hunter. All right, script robot Mark Miller, art robot Graham Higgins, lettering robot Alita Fell. And very much, yeah, new model Sam Slade here. Um, Higgins, of course, brother of uh, John Higgins, I believe. Yeah, gritty new Sam Slade. But in this case, he's still a nice enough boy to um, visit his grandmother at the Barry Manilow Mansions. Oh, very nice. <laughs> Unfortunately, she has become a slavering jerk who kicks him in the face, jumps out a window, and then after surviving the four-story fall, gets on a sweet motorcycle and drives off into the distance. What's going on here? <laughs> with this with these badass with this badass granny all of a sudden. She'll start rapping and yeah. be careful, you know? <laughs> 
Um, she heads to a back alley where a bunch of other evil ga- grannies have formed, formed some sort of Elster girl gang. They're beating up pedestrians, robbing and shooting up supermarkets, smashing up phone booths on the run from the cops. Long live Grey Lib! <laughs> Which I don't know what that means, but I guess it's something. <laughs> <laughs> just just old people stuff. Just, just OAP stuff, I suppose. Um... The cops tell Slate they can't do anything because they feel weird about, like, arresting grandmothers. Uh, And we see this, like, tough young punk with a mohawk and, like, a spider web face tattoo take a look at a lineup of, like, um, old ladies and just start crying because he's got got the PTSD from (laughs) being attacked. (laughs) By these killer grannies, I guess. <laughs> Which you know, listen, I know it's a serious, but that's also funny. I, I I can't lie about it. I think we can all agree. Um, on the case of these killer grands, Sam investigates the surgeon that did his grand's hip replacement, who lives in a tent and is clearly insane, just sort of out in the middle of nowhere as people line up to get emergency dur- surgery done cheaply. Which again, chilling view. Of a future America, don't not don't think I appreciate it to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the doc like it's it's kind of a funny thing because Sam's like, hey, I can't help but notice that all the women that you gave hip replacements to have now become insane killers, and it's very and the doctor's very much like, oh yeah, okay, I see what's wrong, I know what happened. Sorry about that. It's very like immediately sees what's going on and it's that he used this old robot he bought for spare parts to do the hip replacements and sam instantly recognizes it that it is um a killer droid that yeah it's a razors the killer android which he blew up a year or two ago and so presumably using those parts in in ladies hip replacements have sort of done one of those uh, the hand kind of things from where yeah. Eagles Dare or just where you get like a heart transplant from a guy who's about to get the electric, you know, who's about to get the electric chair and then his evil seeps into you. You know, that it's sort of a it's a standard trope. You get a transplant from a villain yeah. and become villainous. It happened when Homer on The Simpsons got a transplant from got, got a hair transplant from Snake on a. Treehouse horror or whatever. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, listen, gotta be careful with these transplants. Um and it's driven these OAP psychos mad. Oh no. They're especially mad because now they're attacking the surgery tent with knives, cutting it down, getting all all the shining. Here's Agnes. <laughs> And they attack the doctor, just a murderous row of grandmas stabbing this guy to death as Sam barely escapes. But even when he does escape, he gets chained around the neck and dragged behind the back of a motorcycle and stuff. He laments getting killed by his own robot-possessed grandma and her friends. That's just a stupid way to die. You know, doesn't look good on the old obituary. (laughs) But suddenly, there's a stroke of luck because um, all these murderous matriarchs have fallen asleep because it's time for their afternoon naps. 
Oh no! <laughs> Routine has taken them down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with and with that, these dowdy, these are these are deadly dowagers have all been arrested, and the chief of police is like, "Oh man, like I again, I know they've killed a bunch of people, but I feel bad about arresting all of these grandmas. You know, we have we have to give them a life sentence." And Sam's like, yeah, just wait. These old ladies, they'll be dead in a couple weeks anyway. <laughs> just walks off into the sunset, leaving yeah. his own grandma to die in prison. Jesus. <laughs> cold, very cold. Man, I, I yeah. like uh, this is surprisingly, I thought this was really funny, despite just just because it's so goddamn grim, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the. The art is great. I mean, the old the old grannies, they are quite terrifying when when you look at how he's done the faces. And uh Absolutely, but I, yeah. I love how um like Higgins has given so much character to each grandma, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like they've all got like <laughs> these like different hats and coats and things like that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that you really or and, and like, you know, they got like canes and, you know, umbrellas yeah. and other things like that that I think really um I don't know. It makes it makes it feel <laughs> Like, like it just adds something to it, I guess. That you know, yeah. that like these are specific grandmas that he's drawing, killing people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like um, a problem I have with the Mark Miller Robo Hunter is trying to is trying is that balance between humor and violence, and I think this one hits it in a way that I think other ones don't. If 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 that makes yeah. sense, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, 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 at the time of reading it, I'd I'd never read any of the original stuff, so I never had sort of a point of reference. Sure. But um, after I, I've read them all now, and yeah, I can see what you mean. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. like I, th I, I think it is a good point that it's tough to, uh, yeah. to judge Miller's Robo Hunter too much against the um, against the Wagner Grant Gibson version. But it still just comes up every now and then. I don't know. I, in yeah. my mind, I try to judge it on its own merits as opposed to... Yeah. I don't think he quite really know where he wanted to go with it by the looks of it. You know, yeah. I think that... Yeah. I think that, that that's definitely true. Yeah. Like, I think... I mean, I you know, like a lot of these writers that I think would go on to be really big names in 2000 AD, their 2000 mm. AD work is often typified by, um, you know, everybody still finding their legs and figuring out just how this comics writing thing is supposed to go, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, speaking of our 2000 AD knowledge generally, oh, man, we can <laughs> talk about Thrill 9, 2000 AD IQ. Oh man, it's been a while since there's been a quiz in one of these. Very exciting. Although I'm I'm bummed there's no there there's no scores. Both that the answers are on the same page as the quiz, and that there's no like oh you got ten right like that you're a yeah you're a yeah. 2080 mastermind or something. <laughs> I did I did this in prep. Uh, oh nice. And, yeah, I did I, too. I, for the record, well, um, how how did you do? I got eight. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. I got like, I, I gave myself, um, eight and a half, I guess. I, yeah. I got, um, the, the questions are like identifying Shaco, which stories were in Star Lord, identifying Angel, naming yeah. Walter's evil brother, which I got wrong. I thought it was a uh, guy, the robot, I guess, instead of yeah. Gus. Gus, yeah. Um, what the initials I, I, for, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. 
Yeah, I always get the initials wrong, the Mac. I, always, I, I can never remember it. <laughs> I got so close. I said uh, yeah. man-activated compu-hyperpower, but it's man-activated yeah. by compu-puncture hyperpower. Because you gotta, yeah. you got to remember that Mach 1 is at least partially powered by acupuncture, you know? It's <laughs> important. It's the hip new science of 1977, you know? Yeah. Um, then naming a bunch of, uh, Dan, of early Dan Dare adversaries, including the Mekon and the Two of Varath, often forgotten. Yeah. Um, identifying the different Mach 1 characters. Again, you gotta remember Mach Aardvark, who was actually in yeah. Bonjo from Beyond the Stars. Yeah. As opposed to in the actual mock stories, then identifying Wolfie Smith and asking what the disaster in Disaster 1990 was. Ooh, yes, that big flood. Yeah. That for me explains so many differences between the world of Judge Dredd and our own, you know. Mm. But I guess speaking of um, setting people up to fail, let's talk about Thrill Ten: How to Draw Judge Dredd. I love this because it's so mm. ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I guess Artroid Tech is uh, Cliff Robinson here, and we saw an article like this actually back in the 1982-2080 annual. Then it was by Mick McMahon, and we this page that's both filler and a cruel joke because it's titled How to Draw <laughs> Judge Dredd, but it's eight pages of Cliff Robinson reference art for Dredd, basically. Yeah. Like, it's got Pantone coloring and a character turnaround for Dread, and then a bunch of like uh, expressions and action poses and stuff. And I could mm. see if you were already an artist, you could use this for reference. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like, like what, where is, you know, how many pouches he has or whatever else. Oh, that'd be my one, yeah. two, three, four, <laughs> five, six. So there is a, a John Burtis approved seven links on um, Judge Dredge's, on, on Dredd's oh, chain yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> but like the Mick McMahon one, this is very much an article called How to, Char How to Draw Judge Dredd, where step one is draw Judge Dredd. <laughs> yeah, I can remember. I can remember trying to uh, trace trace the, one of the pictures mm -hmm. and uh, it still looked rubbish. <laughs> I mean, it's a very complex, like it's, yeah. you know, it's the actual like turnaround, I think. So there's a, there's yeah. a ton of just little lines and, and like tons of cross hatching and stuff like that. It's not a, yeah. not an easy draw for sure. No, no. <laughs> I do like all these Pantone colors on it though. Like yeah. definitively saying that Dredd's uniform is black, stuff like that. <laughs> Despite the fact that Robinson actually always draws a very blue Judge Dredd. Like he rarely actually has him be fully black. But, you know, I mm. don't know. Anyway, that's all creeps, says Dredd <laughs> as we move on. <laughs> I just love, you know, again, just the idea of um, like, hey – because, like, I've definitely seen these things where it's like, hey, like, here's how to draw Dredd Dredd. And it starts with, like, you know, a circle and then other circles and whatever. Yeah. I've seen drawings like those and things. But this is very much how to draw Judge Dredd. There he is. You're done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a case of um, we need to fill eight pages. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah. none, no, no more filler than this than this section <laughs> for sure that's yeah. very much just like might have just been something that like i i, I could see that 
this almost being something that they'd like give a new dread artist or something like that yeah. like as part of like the brief like there's a there's a pretty famous book that's called how to draw comics the dc the uh the 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 dc way i think it's either right. DC way or the Marvel way or something, but it's basically – it's actually just a big book of those pages we just saw of like here's what Superman looks – like here's like Superman. Here he is from all the angles. Here's what he here, – here's what you want him to look like. You know, here's sort of like without any other like uh, story things or backgrounds to get in the way and stuff. And so it's something that you can give somebody to kind of be like, hey, like if you want to draw Superman, here's the baseline. You know, here's the model for Superman that you can then iterate off of or something. Yeah. And it's just like, like it, it could be something that's just lying around the 2080 offices when it's time to put the <laughs> annual together. It's like, oh, no, okay. Just get this yeah. in here. We got, we, we, we got to go to print. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of going to print, let's go to Thrill Eleven Dash Decent Part Three. Final sector, Dash Decent. Dash and Co. ship has crashed on a planet of chicken people called the Nestin Super Lair. A joke which at the time I was very confused about, but I remember people helping me out and telling me that um, it's a reference to Vacation Spot Weston Super Mayor. So that's pretty solid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, at, the, at this point, the Emperor Pong brainwashes Zelami into being a slave, and um, D Dash and Dale get stripped and are sort of imprisoned and stuff like that. Um, also, the final, like the final section of this first page, if you look at it, it's like super wide, and it's because they've cut out a joke of um, Dash Decent begging you to fill out the 2080 comment card saying Dash Decent. Is your favorite uh, thrill in the prog. <laughs> That's been expunged, <laughs> I guess. Um, so the now evil Dr. Zelami has built a TARDIS type device, but it's like a TARDIS that's, um, instead of being a phone booth is like a, uh, I, th I think it's just a, um, a mailbox. And Dash and Zelami, meanwhile, are about to have a big, um, like quarter staff based showdown on a high wire. Um, over, you know, what's clearly a map, maybe some water below. It's going to be very exciting. Um, <laughs> so Dash, the, the big fight kicks off. Um, yeah. Um, as, uh, Captain Klepp shows up to be, um, Dash's stunt double. And the two of them have, like, a very insulting fight. But the fight itself actually takes place off screen. And they're sort of like, oh, this footage is missing. Sorry, folks. <laughs> and as it's completed all the rest of the characters have completely fallen asleep or just sort of reading newspapers and stuff like that because you know when the good guys are fighting all the rest of the characters just kind of have to stand around and get bored essentially <laughs> so um Dash, the Dash and Zelmi fight uh, ends with Dale showing up and just sort of zapping Zelmi's head off. Pretty solid. Um, <laughs> or sorry, zaps the leader of the uh, of the Pullet Men from Super Lair with a blaster, which deep fries him. Um, and it ends with everybody getting with Dash getting tossed into the mailbox like TARDIS, where he then gets wrapped up in a uh, Tom Baker Doctor Who style hat and scarf. And, you know, it's time to begin your standard uh, tr sci-fi travels through space and time, as you do. 
Um, as he goes, Dash gets a slightly new costume, which I believe is based on the uh, Flash Gordon movie, which had just come out when this comic was also coming out, and then tries to rejoin the actual uh, 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 comic through an incredibly small freestanding door. And, you know, as things go in comics, it doesn't quite work. He gets stuck halfway through. Now, again, towards the end here. Uh, the evil Pong decides to head back to his home planet and reconquer it. But as he does, um, the dog men that took it from him rally, um, as all the different people f- that we met previously in the courts of the comic come to fight him. And Dash accidentally br- brainwashes Zelomi by punching him in the chin and popping out the, pe- the evil peanut that had replaced his, uh, his brain. Whole thing. <laughs> and when last we reach the final episode, Zelmi's been debrainwashed and Pong, and after some general fighting, Pong gets um, defeated by the heroic mi- uh, microscopic microbe men, and which means that, of course, Dash barely had any um, role in the final victory, and so it just kind of ends the uh, with the final celebration as everybody else shakes hand and he kind of sits on a box outside that celebration area feeling sorry for himself. Good times. <laughs> and that's the end of Dash Decent. Oh man, these guys. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's it's tough because like so often when we have reprints, I like to put my feet up and use my old work. And because I was very yeah. disdainful of Dash Decent at the time, didn't have a ton to work with. So I apologize yeah. for everybody. I'm sure <laughs> not not my greatest work. It's how I I I I, I have no excuses. Um, after Dash Decent, there's an ad. For the equally wide-covered Judge Dredd yearbook, which we'll be covering covering later in the year, this big street scene of Dredd taking out some criminals and stuff on his lawmaster. Very, very cool cover. Very stoked to talk about this one. Um, And then that takes us to Thrill 12 Review 90. Which, again, of course, more filler, but this is a six-page rundown of the stories of 1990. Please, for more detailed information, see uh, Space Spinner episodes 214 to 232, when we talked about 1990. Um, <laughs> it kind of does some kickoff stuff and then just goes month by month with what stories start and what ones ends with some vague um, descriptions and stuff. I do like... That there are some, uh, 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 that there's some full page art to go along with it, and a lot of it is some of the lesser remembered stories from 1990. There's a big full page of Shadows, one of Chronos yeah. Carnival, and like a big most of the page one from uh, Medivac 318 as well. <laughs> I think that's the most color that Medivac 318's ever gotten, actually, but it's a really nice uh, uh, space scape of the oh, yeah. space station and stuff. And the Chronos Carnival as well. Great, yeah, right? it's a yeah, it's a um, it, yeah. This one's all yeah. It's it, it's by all the original artists. So this one's about so the Chronos Carnival is by Ron Smith and Smith, yeah, Shadows yeah. is by Richard Elson. Yeah, the Chronos Carnival is, is good too because you know it's got your standard Ron Smith incredible detail and just the car the uh, carnival scene with these happy um, crew members and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that big dragon um, flying behind him and things. Then after that, there's a um, pinup of Tyranny Rex by Mark Buckingham. Nice color tyranny, like 
like a watercolor tyranny, I think, actually, um, with a big old gun, as you do, and things like that. Um, yeah, snub gun. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny. I feel like tyr- tyranny lives in these annuals and specials so so much. She's such a uh, – I feel like she's been in these more than she's been in the prog at this point, actually. Which, yeah. I don't know. Some, something I'm noticing just because they, you know, Tyranny Rex will also have like plot essential stories take place in the specials <laughs> as well. It's a, it's a weird one. It's, it's weird interaction or way to set up this character. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think they try and I think it gets reinvented so many times that, um, I don't know. It sort of loses it really, doesn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, cause. I think the last time we saw Tyranny Rex, she was in the Prague. She she like had it was it was soft body, so she'd sort of left a life of mercenary um, of of being a mercenary and doing modern art to become a nun or something. Yeah. <laughs> Since then, in specials, we've had both stories of her doing things as a nun and stories that are flashbacks to. Um, to like her mercenary days like i think john smith just keeps showing up like they 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 keep coming to john smith for special and annual content and he's like well you know i got some tyranny rex stuff let's do that and i'm like fine okay yeah <laughs> we just need to we got to fill space give me that tech story that kind of yeah. stuff you know um and that at last takes us to our final thrill thrill 13 rogue trooper Script robot Michael Fleischer, art robot Kev Walker, letting robot Annie Parkhouse. That uh, Friday, I'm still not free of him even now. <laughs> so <laughs> much of the of the Friday here. Uh, this story is called The Arena of Long Knives. And we check in on the Rogue Trooper Friday, wandering the uh, wait, wandering a wasteland when he comes across a huge old battlefield. He goes in looking for loot when a gun's pulled on him as another scavenger seems to have claimed the debris in this area. Before they can argue about it, though, um, a scavenger plane comes flying overhead as the human uh, Jax, with an X, uh, shoots back at it. They kind of get strafed and Jax returns fire. The plane drops a bomb on them, but luckily Friday and Jax are both basically okay. They'll need heavy firepower to deal with a vehicle like that. Like this mini nuke launcher that's just sort of lying in a dead man's hands here. <laughs> Handy. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, it, it, it never hurts to look, you know, check it out. It might, be, it might have something for you. Yeah. Um, Jack says the nuke, the, or says the launcher's useless because all the nukes have been, all the, the detonators for all the nukes have been deactivated by nearby EMP mines or something. But Friday's like, I've got an idea, check it out. And he shoots one of these nukes at the plane, and the plane's like auto defense lasers come on and lays the nuke, and that makes the nuke explode. I'm not sure that's how nukes work, but it's it's fine. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a big waroom explosion, and as Jax celebrates, some weird um, robot dealies come flying over, say, "Ah, they will serve our needs. We have found our champions." And they zap Jackson Friday with weird green light, and the two of them wake up with their gear missing in some kind of underground um, arena. <laughs> um, and it seems like this arena is controlled 
by like some big fat aliens, I guess. Yeah. It's weird yeah, because Rogue Trooper takes place on Earth. So I don't know how why there's these big fat guys that have been down here for thousands of years, but they have, been, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, a bit like Jabba the Hutt, really. Absolutely. Kind of yeah. yeah. They're like Jabba the Hutt if Jabba wore like a big robe with like a vampire yeah. collar on the back, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Strange style. Yeah. Absolutely. Listen, yeah, big fat Doctor Stranges. That's what we got here. You know, they they gained power, so they shaved off their mustaches, essentially. Um, but so these guys say that like they're ancient, powerful dudes, and they've got and they sort of live in luxury with a whole race of slaves that are controlled by a giant blue globe. And every year they fight over who gets to control the globe and all the slaves. And like, if you don't, then you all, oh, you've got to look after yourself for that year. Oh, geez. It's really bad. But, um, so now Jackson Friday have to, uh, have to fight, have to fight to the death to see who, who can control the slave globe for the year. And they're quick to say, like, hey, like, if you refuse to fight, we'll just kill you and we'll get some new champions. So you might as well. And that at least is enough to motivate Jax, who grabs one of the spears that's hanging out nearby. And the two of them start fighting. Title comes from their spear fighting, which they're calling long knives. Um, mm. Jax gets some hits in early. But, you know, Friday is a GI and has been trained for dude murdering since he got out of the tube. So he quickly... Um, beats Jax and gets him at his mercy and, uh, like, tries to convince these oligarchs, like, there's gotta be a better way than fights to the death for slavery. <laughs> but before he can really get a monologue going, uh, Jax gets back up and attacks Friday, and Friday's got no choice but to, uh, impale him to death. Yeah. <laughs> right through. Yeah, runs him yeah. right through. It's pretty tough. <laughs> So Jax is killed and Friday gets his gear returned and these big fat guys are fat. You know, these oligarchs are very thankful for his help um, and say like, oh, like, I know you don't like our ways, but this is better than an all out war. You know, you, you've you've preserved our, our way of life. Friday's like a way of life based on slavery, and the um, the tournament guys say like, "Oh, like we, I see you're not super into what's going on. So how about we give you a gift or a boon or something to make you feel better?" And Friday's like, "I'll take a gift, all right." And he grabs his rifle and just shoots that slave orb and blows it up with a kaboom. <laughs> This, of course, frees all the slaves and they immediately turn on their masters for them to get what's coming to them and leaves Friday over their screams to walk off back to the surface and into the sunrise. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this was great, this one. Um, brilliant. Yeah, yeah there's some pretty good, good action, solid anti-slavery uh, message and stuff like that. It's hard not yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot to like for sure. Yeah. But, Who, do you think it was Kev Walker or, or um, Annie Parkhouse does the sound effect? Ooh, I don't know. I yeah. think it might be Kev. It might be Walker just because I don't know. It's hard. Like I don't know who does who, who does sound effect work. I gotta say. Uh, right. Um, I think like it could it, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably the letterer. I guess. Uh, Although right. it is interesting. 
I maybe not all of them, just because I see this like there's one of these no's where um, Friday is um, impaling Jax, and it's like behind his head, which makes me wonder yeah. if that wasn't by by Walker, yeah. for instance. <laughs> that brilliant. Though. But yeah, yeah. there are there, there's definitely some good some good sound effects in here, some some yeah. yas and booms and buttas <laughs> and all these sort of things you really expect from like honestly, this is what I really expect from 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 Rogue Trooper and Friday specifically more than anything else. Yeah. yeah. I remember there was one spinnies where somebody sent me just all the sound effects from an issue of Rogue Trooper. <laughs> Very silly. Oh man. Uh. But hey, with yeah. that, Robert, we have finished the 1992-2000 AD yearbook. Oh, man. And I barely even called it an annual by accident all that much. Uh, ah, professional. <laughs> certainly did a little bit, but, you know, yeah. none of us are perfect. Uh, but with that, I must know what were your top and bottom thrills for this thing? Well, um, I think you can probably guess what my bottom thrill is. <laughs> um but I'm gonna have to go dash decent. Extremely um, fair. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's a very, very good, good art, good gags, um, but in the wrong comic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I say, top thrill. Um, if you'd have asked me this when I was um, ten, <laughs> I, I might have said Rogue Trooper. Nice. But to uh, reading it again, it's got to be slain gotta be just for the the comedy the mixture of the comedy and the violence (laughs) (laughs) and the uh just the uh sheer you know the muscles and the pose downs uh so 90s um yeah amazing yes slain (laughs) um so but what i want to know is Mm. comrade Mm -hmm. what are your top and bottom thrills oh man um I, I I said this before, but I think there's a lot to like in this yearbook. Um, yeah. Like, there's definitely a lot of stories I really like. Like, I thought even stories where I think if if I'm down on the pro, on on the longer form of these, just these one off ones in the prog were a lot of fun. Like, I think both Rogue Trooper and uh, Robo Hunter I thought were 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 a lot were a lot of fun yeah. in this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yearbook, especially Rogue Trooper, just because, like you said, or uh, sorry, uh, uh, Robo Hunter in this, just because it's just so silly and ridiculous, <laughs> and like that. That I, I think it finds a really good uh, balance there. Um, yeah. Like I guess we talked about before, um, and mm. um, and I really liked also just like the big die. I know I'm always a sucker for a dinosaur, like in Dread and stuff like that. Um, you know, I'll definitely say dash decent was in, um, was in the bottom for, in the bottom for me, you know, it's something that I don't, it's one of these stories I, I, that I'm not like, I I don't remember fondly from the past and rereading it made me, I appreciated some things, but honestly it did kind of also be like, all right, like, come on, I don't want to, this is too much, you know, um, in, in the Beano or somewhere like that, they would probably be the top strip. Yeah, um, it's definitely yeah. It just has a different feel of sort of a a kids yeah. comic, of of a kids yeah. humor comic, you know. Yeah. And I definitely could see and the like anarchic pace of it and stuff. I think is also yeah. um, something that's better for yeah something that has more ju- rapid fire joke strips and stuff like that. As it is, it just sort of I don't know. It's just a weird um, aside, I guess. Um, yeah. 
And I think I'm, I think I'm going to join. I think let's have a solidarity yearbook here because I really like this slain story as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> I really liked, um, yeah, just, you know, Glenn Fabry's art. I really love. And then that it's specifically this like ultra muscled, like, of, of, um, like series of characters and stuff is also really fun. I like that it's a teaser for future slain stories, which we're a ways off for, but I'm still excited about. Um, and just felt like it was just a fun, a, a, a good check in for an annual, honestly, of just, yeah. you know, here's a brief moment with this character, with, with, with a character you maybe don't always see that's tantalizing to new readers and fun for older ones as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I'll yeah. enjoy any kiss my axe content I can get. And like I said, like I, I'm a huge fan of a, of a, of a Fabry's work in, um, in Slain. And so, re- like, I had no idea that this existed. So finding it in this yearbook was really a, a, a big treat yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's fantastic, Glenn Fabry. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I got obsessed with his artwork after, after seeing some of that. Um, I, you know, I, I used to buy all the Hellblazer covers and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he does so, all, uh, yeah, all this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's great. I love you know all these all these Pat Mills associated artists. Honestly, like he's a he's got a good nose for it. I for 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 finding these guys. I think. <laughs> but all right. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacespinner2k. For everything else, look up spacespinner2000. We should be there. Robert, of course, top uh, 2000, uh, uh, Space Spinner 2000 Twitter fan. Always appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this show is brought to you by Steve Green. Jane Kip Miller, your friends in the 2080 forums. Oh, and uh, Robert as well. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and receive a ton of excellent awards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2080 in the magazine, and even monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. And all right, come back. Um, later in the week, we'll have the 1992 Judge Dredd yearbook, which has some extended stories from, um, which has an extended story with, with, with art by Jeff Sr. And then a bunch of other uh, newcomers to both art and writing Judge Dredd, including the first 2000 AD work by, uh, by uh, Dan Abnett, which I'm very excited about. And then come back next Monday as the election comes to Mega City One, Sam Slade arrives in Bisleyland, Farrell and Brewster, the Universal Soldier, make friends, and the ABC Warriors begin their quest. And until then, I'm Conrad, he's Robert, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splat, 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 Splat,